2: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: All right. Here yeah, I go.
4: This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by Managers.
5: <laughs> look to treble's going she's gone <laughs>
6: Christmas.
7: Oh, Happy Christmas. Christmas. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall in my very time of Jesus 70s dress.
8: And Quentin Rayner, because she can't resist a man in a loincloth.
7: And after having had a word with Her Majesty, we've relented and let you rabble of dumpty dummers back as extras, you little tinkers. This week's dumpty dum is from our Stephen, and we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Caroline, Meg, Wendy and Alan, Sarah, Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, Richard, Bill, Rosie, Rob, Stephen, Brian, Sarah, Vasana, Amelia, and Anon non of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Plus the Facebook roundup, predictions for next week, and another dumdy book dum. Mar- Marvellous. It's <laughs> wonderful, isn't it?
8: Oh cup overfloweth. Oh,
7: it do, absolutely do you, does. Do you,
8: do you actually think people listen to this podcast? Staggering. Thank you very much. It's-
7: yeah, it's uh, such an honour. It really is. But Quentin, what have you been up to since we were around Traces for Pizza?
8: Well, good listeners, I'll let you into a little secret. Uh, uh, Philippa, ticked me off during the week. Said uh, you've got you've got to make your um, highlights of the week shorter. It's far too long. Uh, and so is that
7: de- it? Pretty much. <laughs> I was going to say,
8: you'd be delighted to know, Philippa, I've had a fairly unremarkable week. Short of saying that So we have uh, two of our daughters back, we're just waiting for our son back, so two of the three are back. Christmas tree is ready to be put up and uh, and I have lit, so to speak, or switched on our Christmas lights. They have been the highlights, really. Uh, So there you go. Nice and short. You must be delighted.
7: I am thrilled with that. Well done, Quentin. Yes. Well, I've been busy wrapping presents this week. It's fair to say I am an over-sellotaper. So I don't like uh, the paper to come away before the present is opened and reveal what's inside. So I use about three metres of sellotape per present, I think, to make sure. Mm. So everyone has to get out the the Mm. scissors to get into presents
8: that I wrap. But But uh, you got a very important package from me this week, didn't you?
7: I did, but I'm not allowed to open it until until next week. So that's very exciting. I've got this message
8: that. saying, "Can I my my envelope?" I said, "No, you can't."
7: Well, I didn't know if there was something wrapped inside it. I was just no. very excited. You have to wait. Oh, there is something else that we did this week, though. Quinted, oh that we God, must-
8: yes, that was a low <laughs> that was a low light, wasn't it?
7: It's well that video is now live. So if you um join us if you go to patreon.com type in there there is a video there of Quentin and I doing our Christmas special for our lovely patrons uh, which includes the tasting of pickled eggs and uh, we won't reveal any more than that but um
8: you can decide well, uh, listeners which of us is braver when it comes to the egg. <laughs>
7: No comment. No, it, it, It's one I won't forget, that, that video, Quentin, I have to say.
8: No, it's one that but, keeps repeating itself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
7: very good, very good. Well, right, Quentin, mm-hmm. it's been a week since we last turned down chocolate mousse at lunch. What else has been served up in Ambridge?
8: Well, in the week after the good people in your neck of the woods, Philippa, the good people of North Shropshire rose up and rebelled, Rebellion also ran amok in Borsetshire. Mia may have disrupted the shoot, but it was Linda who got both barrels.
7: This is unbelievable. It's a disgrace, Tracy protested at Linda's decision to sack the extra-extras, which Kirsty had refused to do. What do you think the Queen would say? I've got a good mind to write to her.
8: The royal rebuke worked. Linda bid a hasty retreat to the bull, where she bumped into new drinking pals, Ruth and Stella. One tactless remark about Brookfield's quagmired cows had Ruth spitting out her shandy.
7: In a rage worthy of Herod, Ruth told Linda to find another barn for her palace, that she was toast as the heavenly host, and that she was a damn good farmer who knows how to look after her cows.
8: It took four days but Natasha finally told Tom she was expecting by effectively stabbing him in the eye with a pregnancy (laughs) test. He then chomped through most of Pat and Tony's 47th wedding anniversary lunch, pummeled his parents into agreeing to let them move back to Bridge Farm and blurted out their news.
7: That's fantastic!
8: Meg Ryan gasped. Or was it Pat?
7: As he manically started packing, Tony asked Tom why he was behaving like a lunatic. Tom confessed to feeling terrified about losing another baby as he had with Kirsty, along with guilt that his older brother John never got to meet his
8: own son. We bade farewell to Blake. Full of Tracy's pizza, transformed by Chelsea's haircut, he got into a cab paid for by St Jim to set off to a new place to live and the prospect of a training course. He deserves the happiness Jim wished for him.
7: If Tom was behaving like a Montbelliard in a china shop, Mia was wielding a sledgehammer on the matchmaking front. Why don't you join the cider club? Have you got any kids? What's your favourite movie? But just some of the stellar moves the teenager made to get Will a girlfriend. But her stepdad told her the idea was alien to him at the moment.
8: But maybe Stella's on the lookout for a girlfriend. After 33 years, Ruth still doesn't understand David's filing system. But we don't understand how she and Stella have become best buddies so quickly. Citing the flimsiest of excuses, Stella flogged all the way over to Brookfield to discuss being an extra. Or is it extra curricula she's really after? Harrison seems to have been on a self-awareness course since Blake. I'm a copper and I didn't see anything. And I should have
7: while Mia made a bid for Tweet of the Week with her placard, tweeting for the birds who can't tweet for themselves.
8: I think we all just need a bit of calm and to settle down with Tony and Tom to watch an episode of Parks and Procreation. <laughs> and there, you, there you have it, folks. Can we go now? Very
7: good. <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> now we've got all these wonderful calls. So, oh, yeah. yes, we need to find out what our fabulous dumpty-dummers Made of it all. Hello, Average 3962. And first of all, we have Caroline, who is a first-time
1: caller in Aurora and is worried about Kirsty. Hi. Um, I'm a first-time caller in Aurora, so I'm feeling quite... um nervous so bear with me um my name's caroline i'm calling from wellington new zealand uh first started listening to the archers many years ago because my mum always listened to it but only really got back into it regularly as probably a lot of other people did with the helen Helen and rob storyline sorry that's the dog coughing in the background um I do remember very, very ancient, um, characters like Marjorie Antrobus and Nelson Gabriel, but that's about it really. So I'm not sure what vintage I am. Um, my, I'm calling in, I've been, uh, compelled to call in because of the, um, Natasha pregnancy storyline. I think I'm most concerned about Kirsty in all of this, uh, I mean, miscarriage is a terrible thing in any um, way, shape or form. But um, I suppose with Kirsty, she may be one of those who gets to hear and see the heartbeat but doesn't get a living child at the end of it. So I feel for her in that capacity and... um, hope that she's okay she has been quite annoying though recently so um you know swings and roundabouts but um yes my main concern in this story is for her and it's made me feel quite um protective of her in a bizarre sort of way even though obviously she's a fictional character um anyway I don't know if I'll ring in again because um I'm not sure I have many pearls of wisdom to impart but um I think your podcast is brilliant and thank you very much for putting it on it causes me <laughs> causes me gives me lots of um, entertainment and listening pleasure listening pleasure i'm not drunk um bye
8: oh bye caroline uh, we're, we're, we're drunk on your praise thank you very much indeed mm. we're delighted that you enjoy the podcast so much uh, and uh, you yeah, know we, we think you're you're Bloomin' brilliant as well for calling in, along with your coughing dog. So please do call in again, because we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we do love first-time callers, don't we? Mm.
9: Um,
8: and, uh, oh, you're in a – I was going to say good company, because uh, Royfield's vintage is Marjorie Antrobus. But uh, I'll leave that one hanging. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, Your main concern, is, as you said, is the effect of Natasha's pregnancy on Kirsty. And in fact, that's a concern that I noticed on social media generally. People had, it was mentioned on our Facebook page quite a lot. Um, It is something that um, is going to be interesting dramatically. I hope they explore it. Uh, to see Kirsty's reaction. At least it's already been acknowledged, hasn't it, by Tom when he was having that meltdown with Tony. Uh, he he he, cons- mm. he he said he was terrified of losing another baby, having gone through it with Kirsty. So yes, there is um, a lot of dramatic potential there, wouldn't you say, Philippa?
7: Yeah, I am concerned about Kirsty for a number of reasons. Yes, hearing uh, about uh, Natasha being pregnant—you know—even if um, her relationship with with Tom is over, it, there's still going to be it's going to be a strange time for Kirsty. And then when I heard Tracy uh, telling Kirsty that Blake had been round um, and how well he seemed to be doing, you know, you could hear in Kirsty's voice how. Yeah, obviously pleased for Blake but th- th- disappointed that she hadn't seen him that he hadn't chosen to come and see her and it just sort of perhaps adds to the guilt that she was feeling about that and, and so I'm just concerned about w- what Kirsty sees as her role going forward um You know, who is she aligned to? Who is her tribe there? Um, It was good to hear her being a bit feisty with Linda, um, making her spill the beans to Ruth, even though that didn't end up very well. Mm. But um, yeah, I I agree, Caroline. Kirsty is someone we're we're, we're going to worry about at, a little bit, but a brilliant first time caller, in her. And yes, as Quentin says, you must ring in again. That was wonderful.
8: It was, yes, please. Uh, it, it was good also to hear her say that when she, 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 I mean, she changed her mind about seeing Philip in, in in prison, she said, well, just let him rot. Yes. Uh, and as you said, she stood up to, to Linda as well. So, you know, the, uh, the steel is returning to her spine, we hope.
7: Yes. For for how long though? That's the well,
8: until That's the next the misfortune exactly. uh, falls on her. Yes, yes.
7: But now we must go to Meg, Wendy, and Alan. Uh, Meg and Wendy are back, and they've multiplied with uh, uh, another person and another prediction.
10: Hello, everyone. It's Meg and Wendy again calling Hi. in. And also, Alan, my dad.
8: Hi, I'm getting into the arches, believe it or not. (laughs) We've recruited
10: him. Excellent. So, um... We were kind of like we were a bit surprised our prediction came true with like the I mean obviously not like the shooting of Mia but which is good, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah. So leading on from that, you have sort of a prediction related to that now, ma'am, don't you? Well, yes. Before listening to it tonight and seeing it start to unfold, we were thinking that Will and Stella, Stella uh we're going to get together and and we can see it starting to happen the blossoming romance, the blossoming <laughs> and with the uh approval of Maya. Mia Mia <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah I feel like she could be instrumental in this yeah so there we go um also oh yeah Natasha and Tom moving in with Tony and Pat—we're oh. not so sure how that's going to go. It's going to be disastrous. You described it as hell on earth for everyone involved, Mum, didn't you? So I did. I think <laughs> we'll so. See how that unfolds. Also, like as we're getting nearer to Christmas, we're wondering if there's going to be some like massive drama. You know, we had Kirsty and Philip and all yep. of that unfolding um, last time. We're thinking maybe will we get a Victoria reveal? Yes, and with. Um... Hazel Woolley being on the scene. We did wonder if she had some skeletons in the cupboard. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but thank you so much for being so welcoming uh to us with our first call in. We loved listening to it and we just love listening to the podcast anyway. We do <laughs> thank you guys. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, thank you we, so much for calling back.
8: We should call her Mystic Meg, shouldn't we?
7: Yeah.
8: With all it was great. And,
7: <laughs> and to now hear Alan coming along as well, j- joining oh, in. Poor oh, <laughs> Resist,
8: resist Alan. Seriously. No,
7: no, <laughs> never. So yes. Welcome back, Megan, Wendy. Welcome to Alan. We look forward to hearing more calls from all of you. And do you know, when I was listening to the Archers in the Week and I heard Mia at the shoot, I immediately thought, oh, Megan, Wendy, were right. So you're now our, prediction people. Um, so I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to these other predictions of yours. Thank you so much, by the way, for the lovely comments about the podcast. Uh, it, it does mean so much to have that feedback. Thank you. And um, yes, what will the Christmas drama be? There's not much time left now. That's a problem. And usually we hear the archers on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. We're, we're not going to get that uh, and that's the problem. We do have, though, the lovely script writer Kerry Davis writing the week that will uh, uh, take us into Christmas. So if anyone can pull something out of the bag, he will. But I'm just concerned that we don't have those cliffhanger episodes like christmas eve and new year's eve where something could really explode that we'd love to listen to but uh yes i, I agree natasha mm. and tom living with uh pat and tony hell on earth for everyone involved do, oh. do you agree
8: Quentin? oh god oh i was, I was <laughs> pleading with them to say wait we'll, we'll get back to you but they're just pushovers <laughs> aren't they absolute pushovers <laughs> They're they were just, so
7: hungry. That's why they were just hungry. Yes. Just agreed to anything because they
8: yes. hadn't got any food. Um, of course, we all thought perhaps it was all going to be uh, around Hazel, the big uh, Christmas drama. But mm-hmm. she's she's away for a few weeks now, isn't she? So, but
7: is she? Because now, if they've moved out of the flat, she could theoretically mm.
8: come back. Well, I, I meant to mention this tweet last week. It came from. Uh, Chap called Andrew at uh, Pemby writes, and this is his prediction for Boxing Day 2021. He says, Imagine Boxing Day 2021. Hazel walks into the bull to evict Kenton and co. Blake comes into the bull and simply says, Mum, fade to Barwick Green. Oh.
7: <laughs> That's a very different approach, yes.
8: Hazel I is guess- Blake's mother. <laughs>
7: Yes, that's... Um,
8: well, yeah, well, you never
7: know. Yes, that's that's rendered me speechless, so there it, we go. That it, doesn't happen really, often, so let's celebrate that moment.
8: But, uh, yeah, it's either, we're either going to, possibly we could have a Victoria reveal. I mean, is this woman ever going to be hunted down? Or we finally get to meet the girls, Who are the gills?
7: No, <laughs> neither, I don't think. Looking at the cast list for next week, it's... Uh, uh,
8: Okay, no gills. Uh, They reckon Will and Stella are going to get together. I, well, as you've heard in the review, I have my doubts. So, and others have their doubts. So, I, I, I think there's going to be a twist to Stella's romance. Mm.
7: Yes, they did call in earlier in the week, so mm, maybe they will revise their their opinion. Uh, But we love calls early on in the week because it gives us a bit of time. So, thank you very much (laughs) to prepare. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but I just don't know. Well, there's a lot to talk about, Will and Stella, this week, I feel, so I don't want to uh, overdo it in, in, in this call. But, yeah, absolutely brilliant. It's great to have you both back and with Alan. On. Uh, my question is, though, is that, so Alan has not listened to The Archers before, but now he's into it, so hopefully he's listening to dum Dee dum as
8: well. He sounded such a happy man. Um, it distresses me to think that he's going to ruin all that by... Becoming an archer's addict. But he's welcome to listen to the podcast. Welcome aboard, Alan. Yes.
7: Yes, absolutely. So thank you for that wonderful call. And now we go to Richard. And Richard has some serious views on Hazel
11: and a poem. Hello, everybody. Richard Beveridge here. Biffo Prop on the Twitters. I hope you're all well. I wanted to make a couple of observations following the most recent podcast. Tom is indeed the most boring man in the universe. He's also second cousin to Pip, who's the most boring woman. Perhaps a case for selective archers gene editing. I don't know. And then Hazel. Hazel, Hazel, Hazel. I think she's skint. I think she's burnt through all her money. I think she's trying to get away from creditors. I think she may have had her property elsewhere repossessed. Certainly, the behaviour of paying for things with credit cards rather than with um, cash would indicate a cash flow problem. I think Hazel sees Ambridge as a bolt hole, or as some people pronounce it, a cash point. Some listeners will recall that Peggy had paid her off in 2005, giving her a cheque large enough to make her go away. And this was followed after Jack Woolley died with accusations of his solicitor mismanaging the estate, to which the solicitor replied, I thought you would leave here very happy as a very rich woman. I think Hazel's back from necessity. I think Ambridge is a place of safety. I think she's hoping for title for some of the rewilding investment or the land. Either way, I suspect there are bumpy times ahead for the former Slitheen Miss Woolley. Time, as always, will tell. A happy remainder of Advent to you all, and a happy and holy Christmas when it arrives, especially to Philip as dad. And I thought I'd finish with a short seasonal rhyme. T'was the night before Christmas, now let me be blunt. Nothing moved in this shop flat, except Hazel, the...
8: Ooh, thank goodness there's a two-minute cut-off. <laughs> of
9: course.
7: Yes, <laughs> I didn't know Hazel was a, a hunt. <laughs> or a punt, maybe. But I think that's what it was. Yeah, she's taking a punt on coming back to Amazon. I'm
8: sure you're right there, Philippa, yes. You're, you're, you're the purest of minds, I know. Um, thank you for your call, <laughs> Richard, hmm. uh, who's uh, also at, at Biffo Prop, isn't he, on Twitter? Hmm. And, um, yeah, of course, yeah, Tom is the most boring man in the universe, related, as you say, to Pip. <laughs> uh, we don't need to say anything. Is he more boring than Adam, is he? Uh Yes mm.
7: because Adam I don't know Ad, Adam is a different type of boring to Tom. Tom just has Tom's just beige where whereas Adam is I don't know he has dark shades. navy.
8: He does have shades Adam. Yes. Um occasional occasional shades and he's he's really unnervingly happy at the moment as well. I hope that doesn't last too long. I'll yeah.
7: Tell you what it is actually for me. Adam is funny, boring. With all this, oh, I haven't got time Mm. to eat two pieces of bacon and all that nonsense. And I can't drive ten
8: miles. Yeah, Yeah, that's yes, the commute.
7: You know, whereas Tom is, yeah, he's
8: just just, he is just, you know, on one of those. His graph never goes up and down, is it? It's just it's just monotonally boring, isn't it? He is (laughs) just Mr. Consistent Boring, and he was. I mean, he, he. Tony effectively gave him a, you know, a verbal slap, whereas Jenny actually slapped Alice. Uh, Tony had to give him a verbal slap, didn't he, just to calm the idiot down? I mean, goodness sake!
7: Yeah, well, we have got a call about that coming on, but uh, yeah. I mean, I I I agree with Richard. Tom is being very boring and i and i agree i think hazel's got money problems as well yes. And thank you for the lovely message for my father richard you're, you're very kind um i i just love tom you know is this a is this a pregnancy test? No, Tom, no, it's a lateral flow test. What what on earth do you think it is? silly fool. Um, (laughs) I'm also concerned about Natasha. I don't think Natasha knows anything about this emergency furniture moving. So I think she's going to arrive back in Ambridge, go off to the flat, keys in the door, open it, and Hazel Mm. will be there with a Radio Times and a box of Quality
9: Streets.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Tom's rapid and ridiculous packing at speed cause consternation on social media as well lots of people are saying she, natasha will go nuts because of his packing or lack of it won't she she'll she'll <laughs> say where's this where's i can't find it we've got months of where <clears throat> where did you pack this can you imagine And I was very
7: troubled with the table. Tom was like pulling, oh, this table won't go through the door. You've got a table that you're putting into a bedroom. I mean, how massive is this bedroom? Is it the size of an entire house? Otherwise, how would, why would you? I'm very concerned about this table. But
8: why are they having to squeeze into his little his boy bedroom? I mean, Helen and the kids have left. There's loads of room there. Why do they have to be confined to one bedroom?
7: Well, yes. And uh, as you say, as for Pat and Tony just allowing it all, you know, they were sitting back going to have a nice bit of time before Natasha and Tom moved in. And oh, no, there there he is. I mean, okay. So on the softer moment, I can understand that Tom was very overwrought, and the only way of trying to fix things—a bit sort of OCD—trying to cope with it was just to move the furniture. Um, but it wasn't going to work. And as I say, that table—why,
8: why? It's funny what you—funny what you get obsessed about, Filippo. Yeah,
7: <laughs> tables.
8: Tables. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are bigger things in life than tables, but. You know, if that upsets you, I respect that. Can I also say thanks to Richard for a bit of a history lesson? I'd forgotten about that great big fat check that Peggy had given Hazel back in 2005. Uh, Mm. Because we have all sort of forgotten. We are all aware that she went away with a lot of money, but uh, perhaps we forgot the details. So thanks for that, Richard, as well.
7: And Richard keeps saying, I'm going to call in, I'm going to call in. And so it's nice to hear you. More calls, please.
8: And more rude rhymes. Yeah, we're all for those.
7: (laughs) We must go on. Thank you, Richard. Uh, To Bill from Kiev, who has a prediction, a question, and an observation.
3: Hello, this is Bill Brown. Bill in Ukraine. Hello from Kiev to Philippa, Quentin, and Dumpty Dummers. Character transplants. It's a common complaint. What's going on? The question leads me to theology. What is the theology of the archers? Within the world of Ambridge, it is monotheism. Love your neighbor, good morals, etc. But that's a lie. Actually, the archers has something like Greek polytheism. Several gods messing around with mortals for entertainment purposes. The gods being scriptwriters. The Greek gods poked here and threw obstacles there just to see what would happen. And this is the important part. They took on guises to interact with the mortals. They walked among us, inhabited characters, did something strange, then left the mortals to deal with the results. Sound familiar? Getting someone pregnant was a favorite, as was disguising themselves as animals, emirous swans, now perhaps sick donkeys. Ferrets, cows peeing down your leg, all are suspect. So don't think character transplant, think inhabited by gods and see who gets pregnant. Well, it's just a thought. On another topic, Philippa once commented that if Pat were a soup, she'd be consomme. What kind of soup is Hazel or Linda? I have a prediction that Tom and Natasha's child will be named Kifir and turn out to be lactose intolerant that's all for now uh Yabachina domty which means in Ukrainian thank you and goodbye Dumpty thank
7: you bill. That was. Very interesting call. Lots to cover there from character transplants to uh, telling us what his sort of sign off means translating it for us. Very grateful for that. Yes. I'm I...
8: Pleased to hear that so... one. Yeah.
7: Yes. Mm. Um, love the comment about their child being called Kefir and being lactose intolerant. <laughs> that's amazing um but i've got to come onto the subject of soup because bill has set me a challenge here he's said you know what if if pat i said pat was a consomme so what kind of soup would hazel be and linda okay not that i've given any thought to this i have but for me right linda has to be a french onion soup so it pretends to be really grand but once you've eaten the floating bits of bread and cheese it's just brown soup that's what I think Linda is, and Hazel I would say is going to my Jamaican connections. Chicken foot soup, so they call it chicken soup. I remember going and meeting my sister in law for the first time and having some chicken soup and putting my spoon in and coming up and there is the foot of of a chicken, including the claws. In that so from from the top it looks like a normal chicken soup but underneath it is a whole nother ball game and that for me is hazel
8: right uh, <clears throat> I mean, she certainly has claws doesn't she hazel yes so that's see? A, a, a good analogy i, I was i was going to go for vegetable broth uh, you know um lots in there uh, got to pick our way through probably leave you with bits in your teeth that sort of thing uh but i will go for your chicken claw I think.
7: What about Linda then? What soup oh, for Linda? I haven't
8: thought. I'm not good on food, you know that. <laughs>
7: um, or just just say how brilliant my French onion soup idea was then.
8: I think you're I <laughs> Oh all keep, right, all right. I, I hope we're gonna keep this bit in. <laughs> <laughs> I think your I I think your suggestion of onion soup was perfect. <laughs> because <sighs> you know, it promises much. Yes, but all I, yeah. right, all right. Thanks. <laughs> I, I got, Essentially, I can't improve on that. So, yes, Thanks. and we also, we also had polytheism as well. Blimey, this is this is a deep call from Bill and mm.
7: Kier,
8: Um saying that there are several gods messing around with the characters. Uh, well, it's the gods. The scriptwriters are the gods, and they're yes. messing around with the characters. Yeah. Uh, what does it make Jeremy Howe Then the the editor, uh, <laughs> top <laughs> the god, Zeus. I suppose. Mm. Zeus, yes, yes. I, I like that idea because they, they can just do what they like, can't they? And as we, when we have interviewed and spoken to the actors, they don't really know what's ahead of them, do they? Mm, so that's it, true. Yeah. Polytheism is, I think, like your onion soup uh, analogy, uh, Philippa. I think polytheism <laughs> sums up. The way the script writers deal with characters in Ambridge. So, nice one, Bill. And thank you for your good wishes. And thank you for the translation. It wasn't rude yeah. after all, was it?
7: <laughs> it wasn't. Thanks, <laughs> Bill, very much for your call. We'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and I'm wondering how to do it, here's how.
8: We say this every week, Philippa, and I'm going to mention the P word, and it's not Philippa. It's people. It takes people to make this what we like to call the people's podcast. So, do feel free to populate Dumpty Dum. Now, one of the ways is to use a thing called SpeakPipe for you to record a message or a plot prediction. And we're delighted to say we've made it even simpler for you to use because we've set up a brand new link which takes you straight to it. So to use SpeakPipe, go to speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. That's speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. It's ever so easy to use and you can have as many goes as you like. Nobody's going to know. So don't worry. Another way you can record a message is to send a WhatsApp voice note to 07957-167-696. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK to add a plus 44 and please keep it to a maximum of two minutes, which worked a treat now, just now with Richard, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh And really, the easiest way to find out how to get in touch with this is have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum account, because all the details of how to leave us a message can be found there with the links as well.
7: Now we've already talked about Patreon, so I won't go on about it too much. But we do need to welcome Sean Fisher. Thank you very much, Sean, for joining the Patreons. Yep. Uh, and as I said, the Christmas special for those who are supporting us with two dollars an episode has been uploaded today. Uh, I can only apologise for how awful and scary that video is, but uh, <laughs> but never mind.
8: There was a moment, dear listener, when I had to prove that I was eating the pickled egg. <laughs> Yes. that.
7: Yes, let's I yeah. Not my finest uh, I, moment,
8: but <laughs> you know, my pride was at stake.
7: You certainly proved your point. let did. let's say that. But uh, yes, we won't reveal anymore. We did I did put one picture on the Facebook group, but yes, go on to Patreon and, and you can You can see that full 20-minute video. Um, But anyway, we need to get back to our wonderful calls. And next we have Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, with concerns about Tom.
5: Greetings, um, Quentin and Philippa. Jen here, Ambridge Pony Club. I have to say I'm absolutely gobsmacked after last night's episode, which is where Tony so sensitively found out what was troubling his his youngest and only surviving son. I mean, wow. Imagine if the situation had been reversed. Imagine if this was Helen who was dealing with a pregnancy having lost a child. Um, They would all be rushing round, being terribly careful about her feelings. She wouldn't have to be explaining herself. She'd be behaving appallingly and everyone would be terribly understanding about it. And there's poor old Sausage Boy completely losing the plot because he's terrified, understandably terrified. And mum and dad are just annoyed with him. Um, And then when Tony figures it out, he actually calls him a lunatic and then decides to add a massive wodge of survivor guilt onto Tom. So Never mind his grief, never mind the loss of his son, never mind giving him some time to talk and express his feelings. Nope, it's straight in with, well, you've got to get on with it because we owe it to John. Unbelievable. I mean, it does show just how badly traumatised that family is and how little they have healed from the loss of John, which is perhaps understandable. But my goodness, do Pat and Tony need to really start appreciating the son they've got? I don't like Tom generally, but in fairness, he was there every step of the way for Helen in the trial. He actually moved out to make room for her children in the family home. He's always there to do all the work on the farm. So however annoying he is, he's really done a lot for that family. And my goodness, does he need some support now?
8: Wow, jen uh, you had a lot to say there and w- welcome back jen because i know you have you've been under the weather recently so good to hear you back mm. on our airwaves um I, I i fundamentally disagree with you jen um i Ooh. thought actually tony handled tom really well i i think um i don't think he was insensitive i think he was sensitive in fact i found it quite a touching scene and i think you know you've got the chronology slightly out cuz he called him calm down you're acting like a lunatic before Tom revealed what was troubling him and then he calmed him down and said I think your this pregnancy is going to be fine you're going to make be good parents and so forth and it was actually Tom who brought up the issue of John because he clearly desperately misses him and feels guilty that John never got to live beyond 22 and got to uh, meet and bring up his own son and I thought, I didn't think it was um, a, a great sort of dollop of, of guilt that he put on it. He was sharing the fact that he, as a father, was missing his son like Tom was missing his brother. So I, I actually, I thought he calmed him down. He listened to him. He was sensitive and, and reassured him. So, no, I don't agree at all.
7: Oh, now I disagree with you, Grinton. I'm on Jen's side. Okay, maybe I didn't listen to it as closely as you have. And I feel like I need to pause and listen to it again so I can argue my case even more strongly. But my recollection is that when they were talking about it, um, Tony's advice to Tom was you have to carry on because John couldn't carry on and then it went into that discussion so i'm with jen that the survivor guilt was thrown onto tom um and yes we showed that tony realized something was up and got that information out of tom but i did feel it wasn't a case of you know you don't don't worry about what happened with john just you know live your life and you're gonna be a great dad it, it wasn't a positive experience it was a very i did feel that people have written into the arches and said what's this john who is john that you sometimes mention we don't we have no idea what you're talking about so within one scene they tried to encapsulate everything that happened with that awful time when john died so the whole listener loveliness to the archers is up to date on what happened many years ago but uh yeah i'm on gen side sorry quentin Boo. well
8: you got the chronology all wrong because i write copious notes Tony, in a very sort of sensitive way and in a paternal way, says, well, good, we've got something we can actually work with. Those are his exact words. He says, let's have a drink, let's have a beer, and let's talk about it. And then he says, it's going to be okay. I've got a good feeling about this baby, but you've got to calm down a bit, Tom. Now, I think that that is sensitively handled by Tony. (laughs) I don't. I've, my I've, 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 I've always liked Tony. He may be dull, <sighs> but he's he's always there. He's solid as a rock, and he's a good listener. I honestly, I, oh I, I, gosh,
7: I, Team Tony. Well, yeah. I'm after this. I'm going to go and listen again Despite yeah. listening to it three times because clearly, if I've put it in the wrong order, then I hold my hands up. But at this point, I'm yes. taking Jen's side. Jen and then I'm I'm on. I, your I would
8: side. like an apology then, written in blood. Thank you very much. <laughs>
7: In pickled egg juice, maybe. <laughs> oh dear! So yes, have you watched Parks and uh, Recreation? Is this a, is this something you binge watch, Quentin? No, it's not.
8: It's apparently it's uh, the showrunner was the same person who, who who put together The Office in America, which was a you know the, the US equivalent of The Office, which is a great show. Uh, and it's set in a, a local government office. I think is all I know, but people <laughs> rave about it. It's meant to be very good
7: you have been doing your recent yeah it is it is funny but the fact that uh, tom Do you watch first epi... I've watched some of it yes um and yeah i think it's i think it's fun... it's not the funniest thing i've ever watched but i certainly find it funnier than tom and as a point of principle i will find it funny and i will binge watch it because <laughs> if i have it's to good. choose between tom and tony it's going to be have to be
8: tony see tony's got good taste in telly
7: Ah, but let's check that order. Anyway, Jen, thank you very much for your course. Sorry, it's caused some
8: controversy. Well, she, she, she's a vet. She's put a cat amongst <laughs> the pigeons. Oh,
7: very, very good. But now we must go on to Rob, who has thoughts about Will and Stella, as well as Ruth and Stella.
12: Hello there, Quentin, Philippa and Dumpty Dummers all around the world. Well, there seems to be romance blowing in the air around Ambridge and the flames of love are being fanned by the Greta Thunberg of Borsetshire, Mia Grundy. Despite being mercilessly swayed from her beliefs by her stepfather and Stella, she seems to be taking it upon herself to fan the flames of romance between the two of them. Now, I'm the last person to pontificate on flirting, as I have never had a clue about things like that. Once, at an end-of-term party, another teacher put on come-and-get-it by Bradfinger and dragged me up to dance. Such subtlety just passed me by. But, is this all in vain? Even I think that Mia may be barking up the wrong tree. Will says it's too soon to be moving on nearly four years after, after the death of Nick. Admittedly, it was seven years before I remarried, but I did have some ill-judged and ill-advised relationships in between, so he may be onto something. However, as far as I can see, though, the problem isn't with Will, but with Stella. Every time I've heard her talking to Ruth, I'm sure I've detected a spark. Stella seems definitely smitten. And let's face it, what excitement does Ruth have to look forward to back in the Brookfield bedroom? Bye bye.
7: <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Uh, very, very funny. Yeah, so Ruth and David are celebrating 33 years married. Pat and Tony hmm. celebrating 47 years married. I mean, is, is love in the air for Stella and And with who? I mean, I didn't know that Will was still doing the bridge fresh deliveries uh, because we heard him do the delivery to Stella. But we do know that he knows his um, pak choy from his mizuna, which was something I wasn't aware of. But when he told her to put the sausages in the fridge, I was like, really, (laughs) you actually need to mansplain the fact that sausages have to go in the fridge. Oh, yeah, I, that It lost me at that point, I'm afraid, Quentin.
8: That's his, that's his small talk.
7: <laughs> yes! Why do you have to tell someone <laughs> to put the sausages in the fridge?
8: That's Will's flirting, that is. <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. Here's this raw meat. Just leave it out and let the bacteria get it. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Tell us who well, knows what she's doing.
8: I mean, Rob's uh, picked up on what well, I've felt as well during the week and many others that I, I think Stella's eye is elsewhere. And I think for some bizarre reason, it's looking towards Ruth. Mm. Uh, I mean, Ruth is straight past, not, not in that direction. No. So um, are we going to see a, new, a different side to Ruth? That'll be interesting. Struth. Uh, so um, <laughs> Struth. I, I, I shall – I think, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with Rob on this. I got definitely got the vibes. I mean, as I said in the review, why, why would she flog over to Brookfield to discuss her concerns about being an extra? I mean, she could pick up the phone. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I think, I think that's going to develop along those lines.
7: Well, Rob, that was a brilliant call, as always. Keep them coming. And now we go from one super call to another. We've got Rosie Porty. And she, she has a question about podcast crossovers and Stella's intentions.
2: Hi, everybody in Dumpty Dumland. It's Rosie Porty here calling in on a beautiful, crisp, wintry day. It's been a wonderful week in the Archers, especially uh, the most unlikely crossover ever between The Archers and the My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast. Tony the Travelling Salesman saying pots and pans. The mind is truly boggled. At the gender swap from Belinda blinked to Tony titillated. Fabulous. Um, I really liked Stella's interactions with Mia. Uh, she sort of really saved the day by being empathic and listening to Mia. And she was really impressive. But what I found very weird was the... Um, just barging into Brookfield's office and just starting talking to Ruth without Ruth sort of saying, haven't you heard of a doorbell? What are you doing? I also thought it was very odd that Ruth was just happy to share all of her confidential paperwork with a relative stranger. And I'm a, I'm a bit concerned that, you know, we don't really know whether Stella is an undercover spy for Justin and exactly what her deal is. Why, is she, why has she come to Ambridge like, what is her relationship with Justin? What's going to go on there? But I did enjoy uh, the scene um, in The Bull um, where with Ruth with her half a shandy and Stella with her pint of Guinness. And and, and maybe we're going to see, I don't know, like a, like, like a middle-aged change of direction for Ru- Ruth's romantic endeavours. Very Sex and the City, but, but who knows? Yeah. Um, Sending love to everybody in Dumpty Dumland, uh, especially those of you who are having a quieter Christmas and New Year than planned, um, and for anybody um, you know who's who's lost a loved one over the past couple of years through COVID. Sending love to you all, and please take care, everybody.
8: Oh, and this, I think she ran out of time there. <laughs> she had so much to yeah. say. <laughs> um oh look uh, we, and the same to you rosie uh best wishes and happy christmas and look after yourself lovely to hear from you again um and uh, lots of being rosie lots of current cultural references i mean we <laughs> already had parks and recreation she bungs in a sex in the city reference there and also this uh crossover with my dad wrote a porno <laughs> which obviously you know, we're so hip, you and me, Philippa, that we know that reference. I bet you do. Do you know the reference?
7: Of course, I do. It wasn't just Belinda blinked; we all blinked when we heard pots and pans immediately. Yeah.
8: To be fair, I, I don't listen to the podcast that podcast, so I d- <laughs> didn't know the reference. So, bless her, Rosie did send me a little <sighs> message afterwards <to>
7: explain. <laughs> explaining. <laughs> bless her. So, why do not you
8: explain the crossover? Because you're so up with the kids
7: it's just uh, I've, uh it's only for the grown-ups it's very humorous it's a chap who uh, there's lots of series, but basically a chap his father um wrote and self-published a, a, a porno book and uh, have, you, have this, you reviewed
8: it on your other podcast no,
7: no. <laughs> but this chap and his two friends read it and comment on uh the awfulness let's let's say it of the book the writing the use of words it's it's awful but um yeah. hilariously funny but definitely not one for the
8: children but the lead character in the book is called belinda blinked and she sells pots and pans right
7: well she's not called belinda blinked often she blinks when something happens belinda blinks right belinda blinked so that's why i'm saying we all blinked um but she works she starts work for a kitchen firm kitchen suppliers that among other things supply pots and pans
8: there's your crossover okay thank you rosie for that uh she's also (laughs) concerned i was impressed and intrigued by stella um yeah she handled mia really well didn't she she did she Mm. um really took time to listen in fact she met Touchingly, Mia said that Stella reminded her in some ways of, of her mum, didn't she? Which was sweet, mm. the way she listened. Uh, so she was very empathetic and won her round. Yeah, the barging into Ruth's office and just just help me go through my confidential paperwork. I mean, that's odd. It was a bit odd, wasn't it? It was um, odd. And what,
7: what also was odd was Ruth saying she didn't understand David's filing system. <laughs> I find if you're looking for something that begins with, F. Then, if you look in the section after E and before G, Ruth, you might you might actually find what you're looking for. I mean, uh, call me crazy.
8: I always got the impression that Ruth did the paperwork as well. Am I under a
7: well? No, because this there? is David's yeah. filing system. Mm. She she said, mm. but yeah, yeah, that was very very
8: strange. Um, and and, and Rose is on the same. Uh, wavelength as me and Rob. She she thinks that Stella's interested in Ruth. Mm. So it's not just me, you see, not just me and Rob.
7: Did you spot the Montbelliard's part in the script this week? There's <laughs> a question for you.
8: Blimey. There was a reference, wasn't there? Uh, well, no, I can't. Pat, I, yeah, there was a reference, yeah.
7: Pat and Tony were discussing the play... Um, uh, and whether someone might not be able to do it. You know, for example, maybe a broken leg. And Tony said, oh, you never know, it might happen. And the Montbelliard mood in agreement. So I think the Montbelliards have plotted to kick somebody to break the leg. It, it, they had a script moment there. OK, right. OK.
8: <clears throat> Are you taking your medication?
7: <laughs> no,
8: no, <laughs> not, um- not
7: today. Well, thank you, Rosie. And now we go to Stephen, who is wondering about love
9: in Ambridge. Hello you two. I think that somebody in the Archers team has been reading the Richard Curtis playbook and is using what they have learned for the Stella and Will storyline. All the writing guides say that there are seven key elements to a rom-com, although they don't always agree what those seven elements are, but the first few are always the same. Step one is to start with two characters who both have something missing from their lives. We don't know enough about Stella really to know what she is missing, but if Ruth is her only friend in the village she probably isn't living her best life quite yet. Will definitely has things missing from his life. There's Nick, obviously. But there's also his job as a gamekeeper, which is what allowed him to escape from his family's perennial cycle of failure. So he is ripe to play the role of the initially misanthropic male lead in a rom-com. Step two is the so-called meet-cute, where the two protagonists are thrown together by some strange circumstances. And that's what we heard on Monday, with Mia staging her protest at the shoot, and with Stella coming to the rescue meeting Will for the first time, and solving a big problem for him. Step three is when the two leads become friends and get to know each other, despite obstacles being thrown in their path. It looks like Mira is going to play a role here, probably both in bringing them together over common interests, and complicating things by trying too hard to push them together. Well you get the general idea. We'll be building up to the big crisis, probably some huge misunderstanding, Followed by Will running from Grange Farm to wherever Stella is about to take a big step to declare his love for her, followed by a happy ever after. It's going to take a while, I'm sure, but I reckon that next Christmas, next year's Christmas, that is, when things are all going to be so much better, Will and Stella will be spending the day together, probably watching Alien. So that will be a happy Christmas for them next year. Meanwhile, I'd like to wish both of you, and all Dumpty Dummers everywhere, a great Christmas this year and a Happy New Year.
7: Oh, Stephen, that's oh, wonderful. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to to you too. Love everywhere in the archers. We've already said about the wedding anniversaries. We've got Natasha and Tom celebrating the pregnancy. Will and Stella, will they, won't they? I want Stella to be gay or bi. Just... I, and I really did think she was. As some people have said, what about with Ruth? Um, I love the story, though, that Stephen's told and the way there's sort of the build-up and the, the big issue and can they overcome it and how that that would be nice. But uh, I, I, I just don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> speechless again. Quentin, help me. Help me.
8: Well, if not Ruth, who else do you think she might fancy?
7: Well, first of all, does she have to? It'd be nice for someone to come in that isn't forced into a relationship with someone. I don't think it's with Ruth because we've we have heard Ruth's friendship with Usha before. Um, they were sort of confidants and friends, and it it felt like Stella was the new Usha, the new replacement for oh, that.
8: If Stella had a gay relationship, who who, who might it be with? Hannah. Um, How about Hannah?
7: Actually, that would be good. I was just going to say Mia, but I just don't think. Would
8: really <laughs> Bloody think... hell!
7: <laughs> I would stir things up a bit too much. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Could Debbie come back and uh, have decided that uh, gay is the way, and uh, she could yeah. um, have a relationship with Stella. Yeah, Stella needs someone. Decent you, you, and strong, not you, Ruth and not you Will.
8: You can't see it with Ruth.
7: Well, bring it on. Wonderful. Why well, not? Absolutely, would, why not? That yes, would be a would. I mean,
8: we can imagine David's reaction. That would be interesting, wouldn't it?
7: Yes, it would. Uh, yeah, it, that would be like a scene from Alien. But Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Stephen. That was brilliant. And now we go to Sarah, who has thoughts on Tom. Hi, it's Sarah from
13: Smethy here. Well, what a week. First, Tom decides to launch himself at mercy of Pat and Tony without much leeway for them to say, no, you're a big boy now, find your own digs. No pressure there. Oh, and uh, like the way he accidentally on purpose spilled the information that his missus is also with child for extra uh, playing the violin factor. In reality, they'd be wanting to draw up a homeless prevention plan with someone from Borsetshire council. But uh, I'm uh, treading on Claire Asprey's uh, expertise there. Next up, we have the sassy Stella who managed to talk down Mia. A textbook example of negotiation on Stella's part, playing up to Mia's concerns and weaknesses, but in a way that made her consider her to be the ideal stepmom material. Wily skills. And Stella is also suddenly the new best friend for Ruth. Not that I'm aware of any other usurped pals regarding the cows being ill-treated. Now, true, recently Linda wondered if they were cold out in the winter. Now, I'm a bit of a townie, but would consider that that's a natural place for a herd. But um, as by her own confession, a snide complaint to another party isn't Linda's style. she just rock up and confront. So who else could have raised the issue? Surely somebody we know as a listener and hence would... Know the ways of the countryside. The only candidate who possibly springs to mind is Joy, who, of course, made her first presence known at a parish council meeting, complaining that the roads were muddy. Well, what did, what does she expect from the countryside? Anyway, uh, hopefully, we'll learn in the fullness of time. So, with that, Merry Christmas, one and all, in Dumpty Dom Land. Catch up with you all next year, and Sararabi
8: Siraraby, Sarah from Smethwick Love. Love To hear from you and happy Christmas to you as well. Um, no, I, I think um, the animal welfare snitch was Mia, and there were two little klaxons, weren't there? There's a well, there was one klaxon uh, d- during the week when uh, Stella was talking to Will, expressing her concerns that Mia might be planning another <laughs> protest, and she uh, suspicions raised about all the questions she asked about getting a dog for her, and she also mentioned animal welfare. And lo and behold, an animal welfare charity is sniffing around Brookfield. So I point the picture, my lord, at Mia. I disagree. Joy.
7: First of all, <laughs> um, when Stella was wondering what Mia's next campaign was going to be, Stella didn't realise Mia's next campaign was Stella. So that there was that going on. But no, <laughs> I think it's somebody else. I think it's someone who goes by the name of Rex. He's already, last year, did the anonymous uh, reviews of the barn and he's been given notice again. So the last time he did the anonymous reviews was when he was given notice of the uh, farming area. Now he's been given notice of the bungalow. Um, So I think it could be Rex who's going on to spill the beans because what's he got to
8: lose now? I like your thinking.
7: Oh, thank you you. Yeah. There we I go. Do.
8: But uh, yeah. You could be right. I could be wrong about Mia. I don't think it's joy. No, it's not joy.
7: I don't know. But Sarah, you wish, give us your Christmas wishes, which we're very grateful for, and say, so see you in the new year. No, there's this, we're not going anywhere. On Boxing Day, Quentin and I will be here recording. Are we? D- yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Boy. Sorry, Quentin. Do, do you remember <laughs> those uh, applications we filled in in triplicate with our families? Um, yes. yes. Yes, I do. So we will be here recording on Boxing Day. We will be here recording on the 2nd of January as well, the normal days. So keep your calls coming in. Uh be lovely to hear you during the Christmas time. And we've got some special content for those Christmassy episodes, the one on the 26th of December and the 2nd of January, because there is going to be well, do we do we give the game away? I don't know. I well, let's just say we've got a special guest. And the words quiz and Christmas are involved, but I I don't think we should say any more, do you, Quentin?
8: Um, should we leave it hanging? Yeah, I, um, think,
7: I think we should tune in to find out.
8: Tune in; it's, it's ideal Christmas fodder. Yes, you know when you need something to do yes. and to get the old grey matter going. Um, yeah, you will love it.
7: Yes, well, we certainly loved it, but, uh, yeah, wonderful, Sarah. Thank you for that call. And now we go to Brian, who is really fed up with the mysteries.
6: Hello, it's Brian. Right, be honest, the main reason I'm ringing is because I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, But having said that, a couple of things I need to get off my chest. Um, Firstly... Um, the mystery plays hate that storyline they've done this year it's even more tedious than usual why Eddie would suddenly invite loads of extras in why they'd agree to that off two weeks before Christmas when you can't even get people to be in the plays normally and then why Linda would not first say they want to sack them and then <laughs> Not Saturn there And then the barn thing it's just one thing after another. It all seems so contrived and or even more than usual, so Oh I had enough of that. Mm. Stella and Stella well she does deserve a storyline, I'm sure she'll get one. Um I can't see it being a romance with, with Will, the most unlikely pairing I could imagine. Um Stella I don't think is the sort of person that w- would be a consent to be a housewife like we we would normally expect um, someone to be don't see that working at all um and what was the other thing i was going to say it was um oh yeah all the previous warm glow storylines have been highlighted this week because it's, it seems to be everybody's anniversary and i think it's a few birthdays in there as well so Ambridge Shop must be the only place that sells more anniversary and birthday cards at Christmas and Christmas cards. But that's it. Um, Have a good one. And I'll speak to you again. Bye. Brian that, was, Bye, Brian, that was absolutely brilliant,
7: wasn't it? That's really, really good. I love that uh, point about the cards because yes, there were so many births and marriages in Christmas, particularly, you know, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. So yes. Um, our mystery plays contrived Ugh. i mean we have this every year when they put on the performance some of us get fed up with it some of us love it i imagine it's going to be all this oh no you can't use brookfield and then suddenly relenting but but we'll have to see and yet you do make a good point brian will would will um expect stella just to be the typical sort of housewife role uh, if they got together if it was a few years ago maybe that was the case perhaps he's changed now because um bringing up the kids on his own he's, he's had to be more involved but yeah I, they are
8: very different people so yeah you know, it's not going to happen philip <laughs> calm down it's not going to happen okay. okay calm down you feel better now you feel better now? deep okay. breath it's all fine stop acting like a lunatic okay <laughs>
7: <laughs> Jen quick send an email in I'm being bullied here It's passive aggression and all sorts of things I think it's outrageous
8: and <laughs> um, Brian i happy Christmas to you as well and happy new year mm. and all that um I uh I, I'm no I'm I normally just head in hands for about a month when we have the panto or the mysteries or whatever this year I, I decided I've just got to have to bite the bullet and just go with the flow. And I'm sort of, as a result, quite enjoying all this nonsense because it's actually had a bit more edge, hasn't it? <laughs> so bear with it, Brian. I mean, I tear my hair out as well. I mean, it's all nonsense. It's extremely irritating, but you you just got to accept it for about five weeks of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lovely lovely call, Brian. He, he, glad you got that off your chest. But, um, yeah, just just accept it, Brian. It's much easier.
7: Yeah, and it's only going to get worse, Brian, next week, so (laughs) prepare yourself. Anyway, those are the calls, but you can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. How can Dumpty Dummers do that, Quentin?
8: Yes, you're very welcome to send a text to this number, 7957 167-696. one six seven six nine six. Remember, if you're texting from outside the UK to add a plus 44, or if you'd prefer to send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please do get your calls, emails and text in by just before noon on Sunday as we record at midday UK time. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. Actually,
7: Quentin. Now I think about it, aren't we recording the next two episodes at eleven a.m.? Wasn't that part of the special permission obtained by your wife that we record at eleven, not twelve? Yes. Yes. I'm
8: just looking at the cl- looking at the clauses here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, subsection three
7: point two a.
8: <laughs> yes that was a stipulation uh uh you're quite right so, so
7: yes if it's possible to get your calls in by 11 o'clock um that that would be wonderful i mean i i guess we'll keep an eye on Speakpipe, speak pipe see what calls come in while hmm. we're recording
6: but uh yeah
8: talking talking talk, talk of my wife you know she's no fan of the arches and you know her <clears throat> raises her eyes to the heavens really whenever it comes on the radio but she does occasionally try to dip her toe in just to see why i spend so much time <laughs> like you uh thinking about this this wretched uh docudrama um and she was she she was listening this week with lots of arguing shouting and so forth and people getting the huff and she says actually it should be called umbridge because mm. everybody, everybody seems, she thought, got the impression that everybody's takes a lot of umbridge in And uh, uh, I thought it was quite good. That's
7: very clever. So I
8: praised her, I praised her, hoping to get a bit more.
7: <laughs> oh, yeah, could we start some at 12 instead points? of 11? <laughs> you could tell her to be a caller in her. She'd love
8: that. God, <laughs> funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd just like to call in. I'd like to complain about my husband. He spends far too long listening to the archers. I never see him on a Sunday because he seems to be locked away talking into a microphone. Yeah, I, I could do it for her. Really, I'll give her the scripts.
7: <laughs> anyway, now we need to go from our caller inaurors to our email and text And our first email is a belated one. Royfield had some issues with his emails going to spam, so apologies for this, but it's worth waiting for. And this email is from Sarah and it's about the week in The Archers.
8: And she says, hi, this is Sarah emailing in from Oregon, USA. I've been listening to The Archers since about 2012. I thought that this week was pretty good. Hazel is a really horrible person, but causes much needed drama. I particularly liked that they had Fallon go directly to Natasha to admit that it was she who spilled the beans about Natasha working from home. Although I don't really understand why this was such a big deal in the middle of a global pandemic, as someone who's recovering from COVID, I thought Hazel would be able to understand. I started to say sympathetic, but remembered I was talking about Hazel Woolley. Lol. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we are talking about Hazel, Sarah. But I say it's a good point. Um, She banged on, didn't she, so much about, oh, I'm recovering from COVID. Uh, And then um, uh, really uh, used the fact that Natasha appeared to be working from home or using the flats for her business as a reason to turf them out. So another reason to dislike the woman uh, hugely but uh, that's what we all enjoy doing thanks for emailing in sarah
7: yes thanks sarah i mean hazel did say she'd been on a ventilator for a week but whether we believe that or not i, I don't, don't know. Believe it. but yes glad to hear that you still that you see the evil in hazel that that's a relief thank you very much sarah and apologies for not including that last week now we have an email from vasana uh, and she's written in about last week's episode of dum-de-dum and she's a first time email in her, which is very exciting. So here we go. Dear Dumpty Dum, I love the podcast and been listening for a few years. I don't know my exact archers vintage, but I do remember the Helen and Rob storyline as being early in my archers journey. I've always wanted to write in and connect with Dumpty Dum, but have never felt I had enough to say until now. I was deeply moved by Helen's phone call and Quentin and Philippa's discussion of pregnancy loss. This is a topic that is very close to my heart. My pregnancy history is two miscarriages – then one live birth, a beautiful daughter who I'm so grateful for, and then a third miscarriage. I'm currently pregnant for the fifth time, and I hope the result will be another wonderful child. I would love it if the Archers addressed the issue of pregnancy after loss. I think a conversation is desperately needed to educate people on the complexity of emotions surrounding pregnancy after loss. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I was heartbroken and frustrated by the utter lack of sensitivity that I encountered most people included family, acted as if my miscarriages had never happened and seemed to expect those heartbreaking losses would not impact my overall experience of pregnancy. There was no acknowledgement or empathy towards the complex emotions that pregnancy raised for me and my husband. Unfortunately, this type of stress doesn't necessarily end with the pregnancy and can also affect postpartum mental health." Now, whenever I speak to women who are pregnant, instead of getting really excited and just saying congratulations, I try to ask them what they're experiencing. I listen to them, and depending on their response, I acknowledge that pregnancy is joyous, amazing, physically challenging, overwhelming, and stressful. It is emotionally complex. I think it's so important and helpful to acknowledge all these aspects of pregnancy as it helps women who are struggling during pregnancy to feel less alone. It was wonderful to hear this topic discussed on Dumpty Dum. Kind wishes for Sana that's just lovely to get that feedback. Thank you. And for all the comments um, on Twitter and Facebook, I wish we just need to keep talking a- about this. And uh, the more people talk, hopefully, the, the better th- things will feel. And, and you know, you- mm. you're not on your own. But Fasana, thank you so much for that. And we look forward to your next email in.
8: Mm. I mean, as I said last week, I-, I wasn't expecting to talk about that. And, uh it was uh it was it was good to talk about it because i hadn't thought about it for a long time and i think what i had realized i hadn't realized was that it was when the subject does come up it's still quite raw in all these years on so um i think we've hopefully all helped each other by talking about it and i think uh Vasana, it's, it's a good idea. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very nuanced area of drama that could be explored, the issue mm. of pregnancy after loss. Mm. And uh, I think the way that you inquire uh, about pregnant women's well-being is, is a very interesting and, again, a nuanced way of asking. So I've, I've learned a lot from your email as well. So thank you very much indeed, uh, Vasana, for emailing in.
7: Yeah, thank you. And our third email is from Amelia, who wants to talk to us about Stella.
8: Hello, Quentin and Philippa. I really love the podcast. I don't want to sound prurient, but it really seemed to me like Stella has amorous intentions towards Ruth. (laughs) She's way too interested in her showing up randomly, wanting to go for a drink. Also, when has Ruth ever gone for a drink with a mate? The most she usually manages is coffee and homemade cake in the kitchen with Usha. I also think David would be upset and flummoxed at the idea of Ruth going to the ball without him. It's definitely odd behavior, but would Stella go for someone who was in a relationship? Do we have reason to think she's sneaky? I mean, she was sneaky about knowing Justin. That's it from me, Amelia. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Thanks for your lovely comments about the podcast, Amelia. And thanks for emailing in. We have discussed this already at some length, haven't we? Uh, I'm with you. I think uh, Stella has an eye for Ruth. When has Ruth got out with a mate? And you're right, Usha, but unfortunately Usha's been silent for centuries. Well, we so, had her back recently.
7: We did have. Yeah, Ush for back. about
8: three words.
7: <laughs> yes. Seconds. But she was there. That, that's what happens and, when you're friends with Ruth, Ruth you see, you just disappear. Yeah.
8: You don't want to be there. And we mustn't forget, as Rosie pointed out also, that, you know, Stella could well be a spy for Justin. Mm.
7: We will have to see. But Amelia, wonderful email. Thank you very much. And now our final email... To make Quentin. So it is. And prepare yourself really? for this. It's from Anon of Ambridge with another question.
8: Oh, no. I thought we got away with it this week.
7: Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, I am confused and need your help. I have heard that outfits worn at the time of Jesus were also worn in the 1970s. Is this correct? I wonder if I could make some money from my wardrobe. Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Anon? No, no. It's Pat's insanity. I I appreciate it might be a long and flowing outfit, but I'm pretty sure that elasticated blue satin jumpsuits weren't a thing when Jesus was born. There, I've said it. I've got it off my chest.
8: Good. I I mean... He or she is right. There's a lot of money to be made. It's all back in vogue, isn't it? A lot of it. um So if you've got some anon and you want to make some money, good thinking there. I think what you need to—I mean, I think this has also betrayed the vintage of anon of Ambridge, as well because we're Ooh. gradually building up a profile, aren't we? um So by all means, send us a photograph of the clothes in question because uh, maybe we could help you because that way, a little we can see if he's anon is a man or a woman, right?
7: Mm, and i'm not going to say anything more than this but i've noticed that a non of ambridge spells my name in a particular way that somebody who Ooh. sends emails to me does so i'm not going to say anything more than that but you know who you are and uh <laughs> i'm going to try and catch you out next time but anyway thank you for your calls and emails and texts we value them so much keep them coming please and now we go to our special bookish item um Now, I was recording the Christmas episode of the book podcast I do, and I had to have back, I had her last year, uh, a wonderful person called Lauren. Now, Quentin, you may not know this, but books are very big on YouTube. They are massive. And uh, people do, it's called BookTube. People review books. And one of the leading lights is someone called Lauren from Lauren and the Books. And she was on the my podcast and she's a fan of the Archers, dum de dum. So we had to have her on. Here we go. We've just recorded the Christmas special for my book podcast.
14: Something uh, very Christmassy. <laughs> oh, me,
7: me too. But we need to talk about The Archers. I'm delighted
14: to talk about The Archers. As I've just said, next to Christmas in the books, The Archers features up there with some of my favourite things. How did you
7: get into The Archers?
14: Well, it's actually a fellow booktuber who recommended it to me. So, um Simon Savage from the BookTube channel Savage Reads, him and his husband were very very into The Archers and we went to stay with them. Um and on they talked a lot and it was just it was just getting to the end of the um Rob and Helen story. So they hmm. were saying about how they'd had sort of like sleepless nights worrying about Helen and things like that and I thought, <laughs> "Oh, I'm going to get into it." So I started listening on the way back from visiting them in Liverpool, um, listening in the car, and I've been listening ever since. Now, the funny thing is is that I started listening after the Robin Helen story. So I feel like everything was a bit sort of fluffy and um, there wasn't anything too taxing. And the first few months of me listening was about women playing on the cricket team and getting new changing rooms, getting separate changing (laughs) rooms for them. That was literally like months of that. And I was still loving it, even though it was very sort of not much plot going on, that sort of thing.
7: Yeah, it's just such a comfort to listen to. Absolutely.
14: So who's your favourite character? Do you know, I've got a few. I'm very fond of Lily and Freddie. I really, oh. yeah, I know, and I don't think they get much sort of like representation in terms of fans. Yeah. Um, but I think I've been on a bit of a journey with them because I used to think Freddie was a bit of an idiot, but I've I've really warmed <laughs> to him in recent years, especially since he's been getting a bit more involved at sort of Lower Loxley, and his relationship with Linda's been lovely to see. Um, yeah, I really like Lily. I can't, be, I I don't know what she's doing with Russ, but I exactly, really, <laughs> that's a problem. I really like her. I find her very sensible and sort of um, yeah. I just, I just think they're they're a good twosome um and then Lillian is also a favorite of mine yeah I'm just very into her and sort of just a a non-care of stuff and just having just lived this life she's lived such a life hasn't she
7: she has and just the minute you hear her voice you know know. for
14: some fun okay then who winds you up oh well Russ winds me up. <laughs>
12: his,
14: his voice really winds me up. And what was I listening to the other day? And I'm sure he, the the actor who plays Russ was doing the voiceover for something as well. Maybe on Radio Four, just sort of like the the program announcer. I was like, Russ is everywhere. <laughs>
10: um,
14: who else winds me up? I'm sure when I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, forgot. Oh, I don't know, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I find uh, borderline unbearable, but also I'm fascinated by her sort of audacity, <laughs> just like just, just sort of just suggest things and ex- expect things to go away. And you
7: are a dum dum listener, I believe.
14: I am indeed, yeah. I try to keep up with it as much as possible. There's so much archers gear going on. So I'm listening to the archers, then I'm listening to dum dum and just trying to not be spoiled by listening to dum dum before I listen to the archers. <laughs> so yeah, but it's great to have a sort of companion piece to listen to and be involved for people who enjoy something as much as you do. I've got my boyfriend listening to it as well, so I can chat to him about it too.
7: <laughs> well done. Well, Lauren from Lauren and the Books, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me.
8: She's spot on about Kate as well, because <laughs> I I love, I I, I well, to love Kate, but I do like Kate, but gosh, she winds me up as well.
7: We must go on to our lovely Facebook group where the dumdy Dum community sits there as we sit back for the roundup with our Sandra.
4: This is Sandra with a social media roundup for the week beginning Sunday the 12th of December. Blake's visit to the Horobins was a hot topic early in the week. Sharon Weldon admitted to being in tears at the visit. Drew Hamilton wasn't the only one who was sad to hear that Blake was leaving. He had hoped that Blake would become a regular. Leslie Greaves would have liked to have seen his character develop, and I think so would I. Guy R. Williams sought a new side to Seller and thought the intervention with Mia at the shoot was very well written. Certainly Martin Gibson wouldn't have been able to handle it that well. The question was asked by a few. Did Martin Gibson ever settle his bar bill? Archer's listeners have long memories. Shirley Anstey wondered if there was romance in the air for Will and Stella. Not a lot seemed to agree. Some listeners seemed to have forgotten who Stella was and had to ask. Kay Goff said that she had been warming to Linda of late, but thought that her disagreement with Cursey about the extras was totally ridiculous. Kay would have told Linda to wind her neck in and calm down. There was a lot of agreement to that, and Emily Pettingell likened Linda to a toddler stamping her foot. Kate Lyle was surprised at Linda's reaction to Tracy's threat to write to the Queen about her behaviour. After all, Linda isn't that stupid. Tom was being called all shades of an idiot across the Facebook groups for letting the cat out of the bag, about Natasha's pregnancy. Listeners also thought his insistence of moving out of the flat while Natasha was away was another huge mistake and Tom was accused of being insensitive. We all know that he does have a history of insensitivity and listeners remembered that he jilted Kirsty right at the altar. Natasha did know about Tom's relationship with Kirsty, but listeners wondered if she also knew about the late miscarriage. However, the exchange between Tom and Tony did move a lot of people, especially the reminders about the early demise of John Archer. Who complained about the Brookfield cows? Shirley Farron Anstey suggested that it could be Mia, It was noted by some that this was the second recent incident of someone making accusations with no proof. Listeners certainly didn't believe that it was Linda, as she would have been comfortable in admitting to it. Poor Kirsty. Listeners were wondering why no one had told her earlier that Blake had finally accepted the truth about Philip Moss. Well, that's all for me, and I'll see you in the new year don't forget that it's only 120 more sleeps until Christmas. If you're a cat, that is. Bye.
7: Thank you, Sandra. And to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, what a great community. Do join
8: us there. We're also on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A. That's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets as well. Please, if you can, try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet, so it means more people get to see your tweet and it helps our community to grow still further.
7: As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review. How about you, Quentin?
8: You'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. And now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Yep. In bronze place, we have Helen wormsley J. at The Vintage Year. And she says, I hope Pat didn't junk Tom's Sausage of the Month magazine collection, especially the one with the Cumberland Centrefold. naughty Helen. naughty Sarah Mattox has been naughty as well in silver position at Sarah underscore Mattox could we fashion a loincloth out of the bunting clever
7: (laughs) yeah very good a bunting loincloth
8: is there enough Sarah (laughs) 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 naughty naughty Anyway, I can see She say, didn't his, say that,
7: Quentin. That's you, and you'll no, I, see that, mine.
8: Yeah, that's me. Yeah, and I just oh, I can yeah, feel you do blushing down the line. Everyone, yeah. She's blushing, folks. God, the heat, the heat, mm. the heat. Anyway, in gold place is Bob Hawkins at Salvatore Rosso. And he uh, has asked this question, which others did as well. The biggest problem with all these extras is there'll be no audience. To which Vanessa Sexton said, I think the population of Penny Hassett of frog-marched into Ambridge and forced to watch usually. And he <laughs> replied, a cruel and unusual punishment. So for those, Bob Hawkins, you get gold.
7: Excellent, <laughs> excellent, very, very good. Uh, well, we need to wind down and give our thanks. We need to thank Stephen again for his wonderful tune, and to Caroline, Meg, Wendy, and Alan, Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, Richard, Sarah, Bill, Rosie, Rob, Stephen, Sarah, Brian, Vasana, Amelia, Anon of Ambridge, and Booktuber Lauren and the books for their contributions.
8: Thanks also to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her incredible voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Roy Phil Brown.
7: So what will be revealed next week? Will the Queen hot-foot it to Ambridge to launch an investigation into the treatment of actors in the mystery plays? She's got the royal train on standby. Will Natasha and Pat sit together by the fire, happily making crochet animals for the nursery? A fat (laughs) shot. Will Ruth and Linda discover they are each other's secret Santa? That's going to lead to a lovely exchange of gifts round the tree. And will Helen get involved in the move of Tom back to the family home? We thought we'd miss Stir Up Sunday, but Helen could easily squeeze some stirring up before Christmas. All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a Merry Christmas and a bye-bye from me.
8: And since I look like something out of Thomas Hardy, I'll wish you all a happy Christmas and bid you adieu as well.